Also, I want to introduce a couple books to you. And I showed there's books just on hermeneutics, how to interpret the Bible. Uh, again, a basic guide to interpreting the Bible. Robert Stein, great book. Um, here's uh, 40 questions about interpreting the Bible. Another, I would say, one that you should get if you can and put it on your shelf. You will use it. Uh, it's just 40 question format. It's by a guy named Rob Plummer. He was a he taught Jenny and I Greek at, at Southern, but he's a great communicator. This one here, interpreting the Pauline epistles, is more specific. Tom Schreiner, it's great. It's a um, my top ten uh, resources. And this one, uh, Chase, you want to tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, it's uh, it's just a basically it's just a short little booklet that teaches you inductive style um, questions. It's the same questions of what does the text say, um, what does it mean, and how does it apply. And then it's in the middle section. It talks about the different types of Bible studies you can do. Um, and then it's got some, I think, really helpful websites on the, in the back of it. We might, we might, yes, yeah, I flipped through it. it. I think it's helpful. It might be something we can purge. This one is by uh, Robert uh, Robert West, and we don't neither one. None of we don't know him, but it's a great little book. The little it's called a value book. But we'll look and see. We might be able to get that one. Um, and these here, are, um, some of those are a little more expensive, like fifteen, twenty bucks. But you know. Uh, if you like to read and you want to uh, get something that can help you. Um, all right, let's get started. Okay. Uh, hermeneutics. It's the study of Bible interpretation. Um, we looked at um, last week, we saw that um, by the Bible, remember the Bible, it began as thoughts in God's mind. And then what did he do? He revealed his thoughts to men. And he then inspired them to write those words down. And they did. Uh, using um, using their, these, these men, their own personalities, he, they were able to write down the very words of God using their own personality. And we believe in, there's different theories, different... Uh, ways of understanding inspiration. Uh, we said last week that we believe in what 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 view of inspiration. Does anybody remember? Verbal plenary view of inspiration, which means what? Anybody remember from last week? It means he superintended them, so it's their own words, their own personality, but it's God's yeah. control of the that, every, that there's no error. In. Yeah, yeah. And it, it includes not just the words, but it includes the grammar, even the down to the very punctuation, right? Every bit of it is in, in the original manuscripts. It is God's Word, right? So God inspired men to write the Bible. We have how many books in the Bible? See, six, yeah. And, um, but then what does God have to do? He takes His Word, which we say His Word is living and active. Uh, what do we mean by that? I mean that he illuminates the scriptures. He opens our eyes so we can understand the scriptures. Um, and at the same time, um, we have to interpret that uh, that scripture. Um, we said interpretation is determining the biblical author's intended meaning. So we have to determine in every text what is the biblical author author's intended meaning. Uh, and so that's a job we have to do. All right. 
the scriptures can have many practical applications or implications, but it can only have how many meanings? One. One meaning, right? Um, who controls the meaning? And that's the, think about that. Every text has one meaning. One. One right one and the rest of them are all wrong. Okay? So think about that. Who controls the meaning of a text? Yeah, the author. Uh, it's not the reader, right? Uh, it's not the reader. Uh, why do we, yeah, think about that. Um, what are some things we, we might do or say uh, that would let someone think that the reader controls uh, the meaning of a text? Oh, you might say, I, to me, this first means this. Yeah. Or if you ask the question, what does this mean to you? Yeah. Yeah, well, it means this to me. What's it mean to you, right? Uh, and readers often change the the author's intent to benefit themselves. We do that, right? We, um, some some say just the Holy Spirit inspired the authors of the sixty six books. He also inspires the reader. Now, what's wrong with that? Say that one more time. <laughs> you look, you look, you look confused. You're like yeah, this. Uh, some people say, you know, that people would say, and we would all agree, God inspired the biblical authors to write those 66 books. But some people would say, just as those those authors are inspired, we are equally inspired in our as we read the book. What's wrong with that? Well, that's not. It's wrong. Yeah. Look, I'll just tell you, if I say, what's wrong with that? About nine times out of ten, you say, it's wrong. It's, like, it's wrong. The only thing wrong with it is it's just completely, absolutely false, right? Um, but the author determines the meaning, right? I mean, think about that. You get your water bill. You've heard this illustration before. Uh, Brian, you've heard people use this illustration, I'm sure. You get your water bill or you get a bill in the mail and you want to interpret it how you think it ought to be. And you send them in the amount you think it's supposed to be, or how you understood the bill to say what's going to happen. If you don't send them the right amount, your water's going to get cut off. Right? Yeah, it's just the way things are. Alright? Uh, the author controls uh, the meaning of a text. It's not what the passage means to you, but what it means. What it meant to the original author. So as much as it uh, it's possible. What we want to do is, is recreate the author's experience, to think as he uh, thought, to feel as he felt. Okay. Um, all right. One must recognize that what a passage means is fixed by the author and is not subject to alteration by the reader. Okay. So instead of superimposing a meaning on the text, what we want to do as the interpreter is to find out the author's one intended meaning. Okay, and this is, is kind of helpful. I think meaning is determined by the author. It is discovered by us, the readers. Okay. All right. Meaning is determined by the author. It is discovered by us, the readers. What page? What page is that? On your note? In your note? Page four, y'all. Huh? Five. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. I, I, I got sorry. Okay, page four or five. Come on, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Um, all right. And you hear you hear these terms kicked around sometimes. You hear exegesis and eisegesis. You ever heard that? What? It's Jesus. It's got something to do with Jesus, right? It's got to be good, right? 
uh, exegesis. What's exegesis? Um, is drawing the meaning out of the text. Okay, exegesis is, uh, actually means to lead out of. Um, and our goal should be exegesis and not eisegesis, okay? Yeah, I hate that. Eisegesis, you always say, what does it mean to me? Well, this is what this means to me. Uh, that's the eisegesis coming out in it. Exegesis listens to the text in its original historical context. Um, it means the, the interpreter is, is led to his conclusions by following the text. Okay. All right. Eisegesis, on the other hand, is superimposing our own meaning onto the text. It's, it's more subjective. Anytime you think about, uh, you hear subjective when it comes to biblical interpretation, that's not a good thing. Right? That means it's fluid. It depends on the person. Right? And that's not what we're saying. We're saying that the Bible, every text has one intended meaning. It's fixed. Okay? Um, Eisegesis brings meaning to the text while oftentimes disregarding the context. Okay? Uh, it means lead into. Eisegesis does. Lead into. It means the interpreter is, is led to his conclusions not by following the text, but uh, he's making it mean whatever he wants. He brings his own ideas to the text. Alright, example. Second uh, Timothy 2.15, it tells us that we should be exegetes, right? We should... We should exegete a text. Present yourselves to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Sometimes you want to be careful about underlining and, and uh, bold when you're uh, reading Scripture. But um, yeah, what we, we want to do is we want to allow the text to speak for itself. Okay? Um, exegesis uh, allows us to agree with the Bible. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible means. But Jesus seeks to force the Bible to agree with us oftentimes. Okay? Alright. An example here. St. Chronicles 27, 1 through 2. You probably got this memorized, right? Jotham was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father Uzziah had done. But unlike him, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. Alright? Somebody that's doing um, eisegesis. For example, want uh, want to have a Bible study on church attendance. And so what do we do? We go to the Scriptures and we try to find some text to help us teach that I've done this a bunch of times. Um, they want to teach that you know we need, to, we need to be in fellowship. We need to go to church. That's really important. And so we find this text... And so we, we, you know, we teach, you know, Jotham was, um, he was a good king, you know, but he wasn't as good as his father, Uzziah, because what did he do? He, unlike him, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. Well, that's not good. And then you go on this little rant about, you know, college kids, when they go off to camp, I, I think about this because my daughter's about to go to college next fall. Hey, college kids, you know, most of them, they're supposedly Christian, but they go to college and they just fall off the face of the earth. They stop going to church. But we use this text. And you can kind of see how that would... Yeah, that's, that's, that's... Okay, you could do that. He did not enter the temple of the Lord. Well, he was good, but he wasn't good as Uzziah because Uzziah went to the temple. All right? Now, if you're going to exegete that text, what you would do is you would read the context, Second Chronicles 26-28, through 28, and you would learn the story behind Uzziah. 
Uzziah was a good king for the most part, but one thing he did do that he shouldn't do is what? Y'all know the story? What did he do? He went into the temple and he was going to burn incense. And what did all the priests say? King, you can't do that. The law forbids it. And he got angry. And then what happened? You remember the story? What happened, Marianne? You remember? Yeah, on his forehead, all of a sudden, he's sitting there talking to him. He's mad, and he's talking to the priest, and all of a sudden, his, his forehead goes leprous. And they go, <laughs> get out, because he's in the temple. And what did he do? He's desecrating the temple, right? And so, actually, Uzziah, when you read that, you think, well, unlike him, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. Actually, Uzziah entered the temple of the Lord, but he desecrated the temple because he was doing something that was forbidden. It was only for priests to do. He was prideful. The Scripture says he was prideful. And then God struck him with leprosy. And he was leprous until he died. He had to live in a separate place, a separate house. And he couldn't go to the temple because he was unclean. So actually, what, is it, what, is, what does this text teach us? It was a bad thing that Yeah, actually, Jotham was better than his daddy. He wasn't saying they didn't go to worship at all. He's saying, no, he didn't go there and do what his daddy did and offer to burn incense, something that was forbidden for the king to do. That's exegesis as opposed to eisegesis. And we've all done the other. You know, just ignorant. That's just what I, I did when I was a young kid. Is like trying to teach the Bible and just didn't handle it rightly. Okay? Any questions about that? Why do we, um, why do we have to interpret the text at all? Why can't we just read the Bible and do what it says? Yeah, but why can't we just read the Bible and just understand it? Different culture, different language. Yeah, there's barriers like language, time. Yeah, some of the scriptures thousands of years ago. Culture differences, the whole head covering thing. What's up with that? You know, there's all kind of cultural things. You're like, we don't really understand exactly what was going on there. So we have to do some work. What are some other barriers? Anything else? Understand what was going on historically at the time. Yeah. There's sometimes, some things, archaeological evidence, we can put the puzzle together, but sometimes like, not real sure what was going on there. Names of places changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, think about us. Think about it, married folk. Jenny and I don't have this problem, but I'm sure you do. Um, we have we speak the same language, we have the same culture, but we're trying to communicate. And what's happening sometimes? We're not communicating, and we're in we're right here, and everything's the same. Other than she's female and I'm male, and there's something that's not communicating. How do we how we miscommunicated? So let's not get so bent out of shape. Oh, we've got to, we've got these cultural barriers, language barriers, time barriers. Yeah, we have to do some work. That's what we're trying to learn. How to just learn how to do hermeneutics, some study techniques that'll help us get to the meaning of the text. It shouldn't bother us so much to think of this infinite God that we worship, and sometimes we just don't quite understand it. Just don't seem to all go together. It's okay. We have a problem with right here, miscommunicating sometimes, right? So I think that's that's okay. It shouldn't bother us too much, I don't think. 
it's really a miracle that we can understand all the necessary things God wants us to understand for our salvation and daily living, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But we, there, is a, there is a role of the Holy Spirit. We said God reveals, his, um, reveals Himself, His thoughts to men. He inspires them to write the Scriptures down. God illuminates our minds as we interpret the Scriptures. They go hand in hand, right? They happen simultaneously, typically. Okay? But there is a role the Holy Spirit plays, right? In inspiration, in illumination. And uh, what is that that the Holy Spirit uh, does? The Holy Spirit um, doesn't make our interpretation of Scripture right automatically just because we're believers, just because we have the Holy Spirit. You, you ever heard that? Well, we got the Holy Spirit. I got the Holy Spirit. I ought to be able to interpret that Scripture. I can understand that. Well, just because you have the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean you, you're going to interpret the Scripture correctly automatically. Because we have some people, we look at a text and we... I think this is the meaning. Luanda says, oh, this is the meaning. I say, this is the meaning. We have the Holy Spirit. What's the problem, right? Just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that our interpretation of Scripture is right. Uh, the Holy Spirit expects us to use our minds and proper study methods to determine the author's intended meaning. The Holy Spirit doesn't create new information. Having a closed canon, that's a pretty big deal. There's no nothing new under the sun. Well, there's some truth to that. What the Holy Spirit does do is give us greater insight into truth that is already there. Right? He's not creating new truth, but He does give us greater insight into truth that is already there. Okay. If we ascribe positive significance to Scripture, if we ascribe positive significance to Scripture, meaning do we that we believe it or embrace it, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we said lost people can lost people understand the Bible. Yeah, but sometimes they can't understand the significance of it. Right? You know, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us a fuller understanding of implications of a text, how that applies to me, how that applies to you. The Holy Spirit will not substitute automatic understanding for discipline and diligent study. So we're told, study to show, show yourself approved, right? We just read that text. The Holy Spirit's inspiration and illumination ministry doesn't mean that all parts of the Bible are equally clear in meaning. All right. Remember 2 Peter 3, 14-16? Peter's talking about Paul. What did he say about Paul's writing? He said, Paul, man, Paul's, all his writing is real simple. What did he say? What did he say? Some of it's hard to understand. Some of it's hard to understand. Yeah. Hey, we're studying Micah. Anybody want to preach Micah 6 and 7? Anybody? Any preacher boys? Anybody want, want that one? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it takes a little time dealing with the prophets. Yeah, you think it's all equally clear? Walk through Isaiah using the four inductive Bible study questions. Do that with Isaiah and walk through there. You're like, 
Yeah. And sometimes it's some scriptures a little more difficult to to keep clear. Okay. All right. So revelation, inspiration, illumination, interpretation. Any questions on those? Everybody pretty clear? That's got it. Illumination, interpretation kind of happen together as the Holy Spirit helps us understand the scriptures so we can know the meaning of the text. And then, of course, application. That's the fifth part of the process. It's just determining what I should do in light of uh, scripture and then responding appropriately. Doing something about it, right? What do we do? Interpretation don't happen. It can happen quick, but then again, it, it could take years. Yeah, it takes a little while sometimes. Yeah. You don't want to rush to yeah, yeah, yeah. because you sure. have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Does it mean you're going to get it right right off the get-go? Yeah. And the more you study and other yeah. books and things, yeah. and some puzzle pieces start clicking. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, there's things that I believe for 20 years. Boy, yeah. was I wrong. Yeah, sure. You know, but yeah. studying. Yeah, keep studying. Yeah. That keeps us humble too, you know. Feel like we got it all figured out and it's all just like this. If you don't think this way, it's the wrong way. Yeah, we have to be humble and um Yeah. Daniel nine, I've been studying Daniel nine for months, you know. Uh, Chase is gonna preach that when we go through Daniel, actually. <laughs> Pretty excited about that. <laughs> um yeah, that's a tough text, you know, putting that all together and um I mean, I'm just kind of like you and Bill, you know, by God's grace, I've been a Christian a long time, and He's, you know, brought me to this place of studying His Word. I mean, like you said, you used to preach the way you did and stuff, but I don't know, I just run into younger people sometimes that I feel almost get bogged down because they feel like they're not reading their Bible right, or, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, yeah, I was reading my Bible wrong, but God was also still... You know all the stupid stuff. You know yeah, you know all the stupid stuff I used to teach you. Yeah. You don't remember any of it. Isn't that awesome? I mean, but that's what. Yeah. You know, and I just trying to encourage it. I'm like, just read your Bible. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Just, just keep doing it. Just yeah. Do it sure. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is awesome stuff, but I'm just saying too that I don't know. Sometimes I feel like people are scared, but they think they're going to do it wrong. And it's like you, it's like you said, it's living and active. Yeah. Just read your Bible. Sure. It's going yeah. To work well, that's why you have that's why you have a, a church when you're a little wanky. You have people there to say, wait a minute, yeah. look at that again. Let's think through that, right? Um. Yeah, God is so gracious, and yeah, just think about the things you used to think, or what you, some of the things you used to believe, and some of the things you used to teach. And like I said, your motives. My motives are pure. I just didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have anybody teach me. You know. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just like the little thing. It made me think of that. That it's just a process. Yeah. You know, I don't. Sure. I'm not sure. 16, 17, 27 year olds. You know, can. Yeah. Right. Can honestly. Yeah. I think the Lord just grows us in our age. Yeah. Honestly. You know one of the, you know the things that, that helped me I think the most uh, about interpreting the Bible. The thing that's helped me the most is when I learn the story of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why when we get finished with this, that's what we're doing. Every two three years, we're going to learn the story of the Bible because um, it's it helps you. Again, it's like when you put the jigsaw puzzle together. What do you do first? You put the edges. And when you get the structure, the overall story of the Bible, that's the edge pieces. And then everything else just kind of starts 
fall in place, putting it together, you know, and it's like, ah, you know, so it's just like uh, the more I study, you know, the more I read through the Bible. That's why two things we need to do. We need to read through the Bible. You have a Bible reading plan, read through the Bible. There's a bunch of different ways of doing that. And I'm not saying you have to do it in a year. You can do the New Testament in a year. But be reading through the Bible, but then be, be studying too for intimacy. We read through the Bible just for knowledge's sake. That's good. But then we study for intimacy, right? You need to do both to some degree. Um, but application, yes, what do we do? What does it matter if you, uh, what do we do if we don't apply it? You know, it doesn't matter if you're, you're reading and you, knowledge, 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 but you're not applying the scripture, you know? So it's like, yeah, we have to apply it. Don't meet our list of the word. You have that in your notes. James says in chapter one, do what it says, right? Uh, don't be like the man that looks at his face in a mirror and immediately forgets what he looks like. No. You're blessed if you obey, if you apply it. And how many of us apply the scriptures enough? None of us, right? Um, okay. Um, why don't we get more out of God's Word? Why don't we get more out of God's Word? I think, I think several reasons. We don't know how to read. Not that you don't know how to read. We just don't know how to read the Bible well. And that's what we're trying to learn. Just some hermeneutical principles as we're, that we're thinking about as we're reading Scripture that helps us helps us in our, interpret it, and we don't know what to look for. And that's what we're going to be looking at in this study. It's going to help us a little bit, okay? Um, all right. So we kind of got just a, a, a little background, um, but there's really th three um, steps in Bible study. Every, every, every hermeneutic book, every book that you read, they'll have these kind of steps, right? Um, and the first is observation. Okay, observation. This is where you spend most of your time. It's not up there. Just observation. Um, you're trying to find it in your notes. Page one, page six. Yeah, if you got the, yeah. Maybe page seven or something. Yeah, sorry. What I'll do next week is I'll just have that all together and I'll just... Um, it should be the next blank after application. Um, the first one being, is that what the text? I mean, yeah, text can have many implications once the one meaning. Yeah, the text is determined, yeah. <clears throat> and there, and that's, that's, there is a, you know, a lot of applications, implications, but we have to understand the meaning of a text. Many applications, one meaning. Okay. So an observation, um, we've got to develop the ability to see and determine what the text says. Okay. What, we were answering the question, what does the text say? You know, we do inductive Bible study questions. We always say, okay, put it in your own words, summarize it. What does the text say? We say that all the time. What does the text say? Um, your observation, you're just taking a good, hard look at the text. I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the biggest problems we have with interpretation, our biggest struggle is we don't spend enough time with the text. We spend enough time with it. And I was, I'll tell you, there's times where I'm... Having, I'm counseling several folks, um, you know, teaching maybe Wednesday night, something I'm preparing for. I'm meeting with a couple guys, and then Sunday is a text. It's just, you know, I know it's coming up. I try to think about it and be meditating on it and working on it ahead. But, you know, you got to kind of mull on some text for a while. But sometimes it's like it's not enough time, right? But I think that's part of our problem is we don't spend enough time with the text. Um, so we need to read the Bible prayerfully. We need to read the Bible prayerfully. 
Psalm 119, verse 18, verse 34. Open my eyes. It's, it's, it ought to be prayers. Psalm 119, just a lot of prayers in there. Uh, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things in your law. And I'll be our script. We ought to be praying that all the time. Open my eyes, Lord. Help me see what I should see. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with all my heart. Give me understanding, Lord. Help me understand. Help me know what this author was intending to say. What did the, the initial readers of this, hearers of this, what did, how did they understand this? That's how we ought to understand it. Okay. So we need to read the Bible prayerfully, repeatedly with different translations. This happened Tuesday morning. We have a small group meter, uh, leaders meeting at 5.30 and uh, there's a text um, and uh, one of the verses from this week's teaching text is this, uh, what was the word we were looking at? I forget this. Rest. rest, yeah. Does this mean the rest of them or does this mean rest as in sleep? You know? So what do we do? We look, we're in the ESV. Oh, let's look at the New Revised Standard Version. It's a great great translation. Or New American Standard Version. Great translation. Let's go and look there. So we look at different translations. Okay, let's give some clarity here. Okay, I think it's helpful to read um, from different translations. And there are some translations that are better than others. Hey, I'm going to tell you, I bust out the message a lot. You thought, well, I said paraphrase. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, What's this? I don't get this. I don't understand the wording of this. Da, 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 and I'm studying. I'm going through. Da 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 da. And I said, Ah, what's this, what's a what's a paraphrase? Eugene Peterson. How do he understand this? I just read through it. Sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes not. But sometimes it is. We need to read the whole book often at one sitting, if possible. It's going to be hard to do that with Isaiah, the Gospel of Luke. But even if you're just studying a, a, a small passage, if you can read the book, the letter, if it's an epistle, sometimes you can read the whole thing in just a short amount of time. Do that. I think that's helpful. And then we start at the beginning of the book and work towards the end. Because that's the way it was intended to be read and studied, right? Yeah. Okay. We're in the observation stage, okay? So when we read the Bible, we need to ask six questions. Who, what, when, why, and how. Okay. Got that? Who? Who's the author of the book? Who? First who? Just those just questions. Who, what, when, why, where, how. Um, who? Who's the author of the book? Who's it written to? Who are the characters in the in the book? Who's speaking? To whom is he speaking? Okay, who? You just always want to bombard the bombard the text with questions. Who? Who? You want to ask what? What's the genre? What's the context? What's the near context? Meaning the verses before and after it, the paragraphs before and after, the chapter before and after. What's the far context? Far context meaning what? The overall theme. Yeah, the book. Where it fits in redemptive history. Yeah. Okay. What's the atmosphere of the book? Galatians? 
right? Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, right? It's not Galatians. That makes a difference when you're studying the Scriptures. Alright, what are the key words? What's repeated? You know, what, 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 what? Ask a lot of questions. When, right? When well, I ask when, when was the book written? When was the prophecy fulfilled, or has it been fulfilled, right? When questions, especially in narrative texts like, you know, Old Testament narrative or the Gospels or the book of Acts, it's very important to ask when. When does this happen in relation to all these other events? Okay? Give you kind of a time perspective. All right, where? Where was the book written? Where were the recipients of the book living? Where is that on the map? Morgan came in there and said, I need a map. I'll, yeah, anytime you read, I'll tell you this, anytime you read a location in the Bible, you should go and look to where it is. Some of you have Bibles, you have maps in the back. Some of you not. Go and look and see if you know where that place is every time. And what happens after a year or two of doing that, you kind of understand geography and, you know, in Old Testament times, the times of the patriarchs, or in New Testament times, right? Yeah, I would encourage you to do that. If you're like, oh, I, I need an atlas, you can do that online real easily. Or you can get you an atlas. I got a Bible atlas. You can look at that and say, oh, I like this one. Okay, go buy it, you know? Um, why? Why was the book written? Why does he include this, you think? Why does the author give so much space to this topic? And so little to another. Why? The why question. Just been barring the text with questions. And then how? There's really, in, in life, there's really, you can't shortcut things. I mean, think about, how many of you graduate from like, doing like your quiet time? When we, when did you graduate from doing that? You know what I'm saying? It's like there's something you just never outgrow. And then you answering these questions and doing what we're doing here, you just never outgrow it. Doesn't matter the text. It's just, you know. There's some texts you're familiar with, you know the answers to these questions for just right? But there's some that, that, that aren't. So you just have to ask all these questions. The how question, how many? How many times does the author use the same word in this book, in the chapter, in the verse, in the passage? How long? How much? Okay. We want to bombard the text with questions, okay? Because you want to know the context, you want to know the mood, okay? It's also, again, it's also helpful to summarize the text, put it in your own words. I do that all the time. I do it all the time. You want to bombard the text with questions. B, you want to, when you study, you want to keep in mind the context. And many of the questions we just ask have to do with context. Context is the background of the passage. In order to know the, the author's intended meaning, you've got to know the context.
Every word you read must be understood in light of the words that come before and after it. What comes before and after it is really important. Every word in the Bible is part of a verse, and every verse is part of a paragraph, every paragraph is part of a book, every book is part of the whole of Scripture. So no verses in Scripture can be removed from the verses around it. Think about if you've got a, a, a painting, you got a painting and you're trying to you're trying to check this painting out, but you can only see like a square inch at a time. You know, it's like you just you wouldn't look at this square inch, you know, this big painting. You have to see the whole thing together, right? That's the way it is in with context. It's real important. Um, okay. We'll stop right there and we'll pick up there next next um, next time. Okay? We'll pick up there next time. And um, if you want to, Philippians chapter two, verse one through eleven, what we'll be doing next time is we're going to be doing this very thing, observation with that text.